Hello, and welcome to Dig It. I'm Peter Brown, and hosting the show with me today is Chris Day. Hi, Chris. Hi, Peter. Wow. January in the garden. Happy New Year, Chris. Happy New Year to you, Peter. Yep. And, well, it's all about New Year's, new starts, New Year's resolutions. It is, and uh, plenty to look forward to, isn't it, in the garden? It's always exciting, isn't it? The month Definitely. Of, uh, January. Um, we've had some good frosts recently, haven't we? Oh, we and, have. Yeah, it's, hopefully the ground will dry out a bit, because it still seems pretty waterlogged around here. I'd say a lot of rain. In fact, uh, I think at the, the middle of, of December, for example, they were saying that we'd already had 87% of our uh, rainfall in this part of North Buckinghamshire, which is quite scary, so... Yeah. yeah, but the reservoir's full and the aquifers are filling up again, so I suppose that's a good thing. And bog plants are doing well. <laughs> Indeed. And if you've got clay soils, well, you're unfortunate. We have to just battle on, don't we, regardless? That's it. So, what we got to go and see and what's yeah. on in what's on? Yeah, so in January, you'd have thought there'd be very little, but actually there's quite a bit. So, on the 1st of January, uh, as this uh, podcast... Today? Yeah. Today, indeed. Um, if you could venture out to the uh, Sir Harold Hillier Gardens, they've got a, a New Year's Day guided tour. Okay. Uh, those wonderful gardens there. So, you'd probably need to get quick off the mark to get there, but it's a, it's a really wonderful garden, Peter. I've, I've visited it a number of times over the years, and uh, it's always well worth a, a visit. Mm. Um, um, moving on into, well, a little bit of work as far as roses. There's a rose pruning masterclass by uh, Michael Marriott uh, over at uh, Board Hill. That's over right. in Haywood's Heath. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's on Thursday the 18th. So if you really want to know everything about Michael Marriott, is obviously the, one of the, the spearheading gentlemen from, obviously, David Austin Roses. So uh, he's uh-huh. got a lot of reputation and behind him. I haven't got any roses, so I've not had to do this yet, but is pruning roses in January the time to be doing it? Yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll have cut everything back, probably back in the autumn, but we start to think about next month doing the major pruning, but if yeah, if, right. if you have got something rattling around, especially those climbers and ramblers might need to be reduced if the, the weather does take a, a nasty turn. Okay, so yeah. something to do on a slightly less frosty day. <laughs> Indeed, and this is it. This is really exciting, Peter. So uh, Saturday, the the twentieth of January, mm. National Tulip Day in the the centre of Amsterdam. So for our for people in, living in Holland, uh, this is sounds really good. So it's an opportunity in the afternoon of the twentieth to basically uh, kickstart the the tulip festival, and basically they give out free bunches of tulips to all the, the people who visit. So yeah, And they gave out brilliant. tens of thousands last year, apparently. So Okay. Yeah. Because it's the Kirkenhof, is it? The, that's it. The big, that's the big, massive gardens over there that's well worth a visit if you're into the tulips. Most definitely, yes. Yeah, fantastic. And then... Go on. And then uh, something quite close to us up in, in, in Buckingham here, we've got uh, on the 27th of January, uh, Puzzle Pictures. So right. this is really intriguing. So basically it's organised by the Buckinghamshire Gardens Trust mm. and it's a talk um, which looks at a series of paintings from the 16th to the 18th centuries which feature gardens and basically it's, it's to help the audience see beyond the obvious. Ah, so picking out all the finer details. Indeed, probably the the god designers, maybe the capability browns and all the other sort of, you know, the the, the quirkiness of, of English landscapes at that time. Okay, and that's down in Aylesbury, so yeah, like you say, not far at all. Brilliant. Most definitely. And then, obviously, towards the end of the month, the, the, the annual event, which, of course, is the RSPB uh, Big Bird Watch uh, yep. between the 26th and the 28th. So, obviously, it's the UK's biggest uh, wildlife survey. Yep. And, of course, it's been running since 1979. So, we'll put the link on for that for, uh, for everybody to, to get involved in. So, that's the, uh, the latter end of, of this month. Excellent. And then finally, uh, if you've not already had enough of houseplants over the Christmas period and you wanted to know what to do with your, your sickleman, your poinsettia, it's houseplant weekend at the RHS Gardens at Bridgewater, uh, obviously near Manchester. So they've got a whole weekend packed with uh, obviously good opportunities to buy things, but also to learn more about our wonderful houseplants. And that's uh, over at uh, RHS Bridgewater. Mm, okay. Well, here's a question for you, Chris. Yep. So I was down at Blue Diamond the other day, mm-hmm. and they had a giant flowered cyclamens. Okay. You know the ones I'm on about? Yes, indeed. Well, yeah, the forest so ha- ones. Okay. So they had them in their houseplant section. Mm-hmm. We've got them in our, I'm going to say, seasonal tunnel, so mm-hmm. it's sort of sheltered, and mm-hmm. but true. outside. 
Are they frost hardy? They're not. They, they like it really, really cool. In fact, almost cold, but frost free. So okay. that's why we tend to put them into our seasonal tunnel because, and if obviously if there's any really nasty weather, we'd put some extra fleece over them. But they will take it down to almost you know zero. Okay. But anything more than that, then obviously they they would succumb. Actually, in our houseplant area, it's actually quite warm for cyclamen, and they tend to uh, prefer that those cooler conditions. Okay, so bring them in sort of whilst they're in flower Indeed. on show, and then take them out in the garden and protect them from the that's frost. It. Or if you live in Somerset. Yeah, and in, and in the house, just find the coolest, lightest uh, window you've got, and they'll really enjoy those conditions. They are fantastic. I they love are. them. They're, They're really, really good, good, aren't they? Yeah. Good stuff. Okay, nice one. And advance notice for February, what's going on? Right, so it's our um, it's our big Graft and Grow Day, uh, Peter, of the Garden Centre. Yes. Yeah. So if you're not familiar, it's an opportunity to come and see some proper, proper horticulture, some proper fruit tree grafting. Um, and you can get Learn how to cut your fingers on a sharp knife. Oh, yeah. No, can, we don't do that. We don't, we don't do that. teach that. We teach you how to do it safely, do, yeah, hopefully. And correctly yeah. and horticulturally perfect there. And, of course, it's a good opportunity to bring in varieties of, of uh, apple trees or other fruit trees which you want to be grafted onto a, a, a rootstock, mm. which will have rootstocks available for sale as well. So it's a really good... Uh, you know, uh, you know, for, to learn a new skill, it's uh, it's a great event, and we have some really good people here to to guide you and and, and manage you through the process too. But I've always been really sort of cautious about the idea of doing a graft, and then I tried it, and it's actually, I mean, a it's really exciting mm. to see if it oh, works gosh, yeah. and is it going to take but it, it's not that hard once you've been shown the basics and yeah. like you say, all you need is a well. I think the first ones I did was with a little Opinel sort of gardening knife, I'll mm-hmm. call it. So not not a fancy razor knife or anything like that. And that's essentially all you need. If you want to get the most success, then obviously getting all the right gear and the sort of tape and what have you mm-hmm. is possibly a little bit more important. But you can, I mean, plants are brilliant in that way, aren't they? They just grow and grow and grow and keep trying. So they... They will very accommodate. And the thing is, you, you see the process and you can obviously have a go yourself. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's mm. uh, trial and error sometimes. But it's, uh, you know, the actual grafting material, your, your own trees don't cost you anything. So you can have a, a go and it's, it's not an expensive process. Well, that's it. And if you've got a huge old apple tree that has got a glorious fruit, but mm-hmm. it's just too big or you're moving house and you want to start again with it, it's a, fan, it's a really good way of mm. sort of keeping yeah. the genetics of your favourite yeah, fruit tree or plum tree or whatever it is to That's keep true. going. And we often do get requests from people wanting to create like a family tree, so they might want more than one variety on a mm. on a fair. So yeah, that's fun. another good opportunity to I do, do that. I like them. They're yeah. Brilliant. So uh, yeah, come along. So it's uh, between ten, 10 and four, and uh, obviously there is obviously a small charge for the the grafting service and obviously for the rootstocks. But other than that, just bring yourself and your your apple trees or fruit trees you want to uh, perpetuate. If that's brilliant. the right word. <laughs> Great stuff. Sounds like fun. And what about wind? Winter gardens. Can you mm. think of anywhere nice to go and visit on a nice frosty morning, Chris? There's plenty, and to get rid of all that Christmas excess as well. Why, <laughs> why not? Uh, yeah, there's plenty. Um, certainly, we, we the, the great um, BritishGardens.co.uk website, which we, we've mentioned a few times, Peter. They've got some yep. really good ideas. They're suggesting places like Anglesey Gardens and uh, uh, Abbey and Gardens over in Cambridge, Bodnant if you're over in North Wales. Um, obviously, okay. Bressingham Gardens, including good old Foggy Bottom in Norfolk and then of course you've got the Botanic Gardens, Savile Gardens over in Windsor, some really good ones actually out there and obviously mm. local ones maybe local national trusts, obviously we've got Stowe down the road so yeah, that's all, I, I always love the grass in the frost, oh, it's, if fantastic. you've got a good long vista then mm. it's sort of not the regular green, but the sort of whitey green that the frost creates. It's a lovely colour, isn't and it? And on some of those mornings where you get a bit of mist as well. In mm. the palace, yeah, it looks, looks Definitely great as well. over a lake, that's always a Oh, yeah, view, yeah. So, uh, yeah, take your camera out, or you, you, if you've got a mobile, a decent phone on your, a decent camera on your mobile, get out there and get some photos as well. It's a, it's yeah. a great way of starting the Good new year, idea. isn't it? Definitely. And... Top five, mm. Chris. What what are we looking at this this month? Yeah, so what we've I've done a piece. I've looked at the the top uh, five selling trees of last year. So okay. this is a snapshot. These are trees which are grown in pots. These are not uh, bare rooted necessarily. Right. Um, so the, uh, there's a 
uh, a shared top spot of Malus aros, which is that wonderful uh, purple-leafed um, crab apple, which okay. has lovely pink flowers and then black uh, fruits and then wonderful autumn colour. It's a real good all-round tree. That's sharing the top spot with Catoniaster conuba. Okay. Um, now, canuba is a it's an evergreen uh, catoniaster, so lots of lovely small flowers in the spring, and then lovely uh, this time of year f- uh, full of berries, which before the birds obviously take their their share. And are uh, they a red or an orange? Uh, it's an, yeah, it's an orangey red, I would say. Yeah, okay. it's a it's a, a really distinct colour, and of course, it's a good small garden tree. Hence, that's why I suspect it's our one of our top sellers. But, ah, okay. Um, and then in sharing uh, t- the, the second place, we've got two joint second place uh, Malus. A red obelisk, which, as the name suggests, is very upright growing, and another upright growing variety, which I'm sure a lot of our Diggit listeners have in the garden. That's Prunus anamagawa. That's the famous flagpole. Flagpole cherry, cherry isn't yes. it? It's a lovely, lovely plant. It so, is indeed. Yeah. yeah. And then last place or yeah. third place in this, <laughs> in this case, case, yeah, <laughs> is is another. It's a, a wonderful leafy acer, a big leaf. It's not a Japanese one called Brandy Wine, and the name suggests it has really good autumn colour. And it's one of these American varieties of of acer, so quite a big leafed one, but not too huge for for the smaller garden. So uh, mm. an interesting top five. Brilliant, great stuff, and. If you're interested, mm. our top five in Digit episodes. Oh, right. Okay. So I thought as it's the beginning of the year, maybe you listeners, if you haven't listened to the back catalogue, here are the most popular. So starting at number five is composting yep. with Rod Weston. Mm. And then fourth place, Cherry on Top with Vicky Grange, our local Hallwood cherries, mm. very interesting. Very, very tasty cherries too. <laughs> the best cherries, I think, around. And then in third place, Queen of the Herbs, Jekka McVicker, mm. t- telling us all about her life. Oh, fantastic, fascinating. It was great. That was yeah. a you know, really interesting episode. And in second position, Cottage Gardening mm. with Rosie Hardy. Indeed, over Hardy Plants down in uh, the lovely part of Hampshire, yes. Mm. And how to, to grow container plants as well. Yes. Right? She did some yeah. really interesting ideas on that. Indeed. That was good. And in first place, mm. no sub- you guys are akin to my form of gardening. <laughs> no dig gardening. Oh, with Charles Dowding. Yeah, ah, where we learn Charles. how to no. sit down, relax. And not yeah. do any digging. And produce wonderful vegetables, which good old Charles does it on his wonderful uh, uh, well, garden estate. Yeah, yeah. no, no, that, that, I mean, that was a revelation to me. Yeah. I, yes. I'd heard about it, but didn't really understand it. Yeah, M- music to your ears, Peter. Definitely, <laughs> you know me, anything to, for a lazy life. <laughs> but that's, <laughs> so. that's really good. And, and run a mixture of, of, of proper horticultural know-how as well there you know some ornamentals and some edibles uh, amongst that list too. definitely yeah so if you want to listen to a popular old mm. episode try those out yeah indeed and now it's the part of the show where we discuss what's in the news indeed and there's there's quite a lot of it there to start the year isn't there peter definitely Evergreen's got some big news. Mm, so yeah, last bag of compost with Pete. So this was this was actually going back to last year, but basically they've uh, obviously they've been determined to take steps towards going one hundred percent beet free. This is of course uh, Miracle Grow and Evergreen, yeah, uh, popular garden product you'll see in most garden centres, and they've obviously made the decision now to to, to pull it. So they are now totally beet free. That's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, it I think. Um, with the potential peat ban mm. looming at the end of the year, yes, it yeah. does make sense that the manufacturers start pulling the plug on peat. Yeah, um, and Definitely. yeah, like you say, sort of it's November, it's end of November. They, the last peat bag rolled off their production. That's right, line and, and, and they've been doing it for the last thirty years. So I suppose it's a bit of a cultural shock for the, for, the, mm. for that for that production. But uh, well, the, I mean, to be fair to them, they've mm. been they're putting sort of reduced peat miracle grow out on in the marketplace for a while and yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I guess they're sort of yeah they've now decided this year is it is going to go through and we will have a peat ban at the end of the year most definitely and i think we're all getting a little bit more savvy with what's out there on, on the shelves and as we're now coming into the next few months of busy seed sowing time um, yep. yeah we need to start thinking about those 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 products on the on the shelves to start using uh, in our greenhouses and on our uh, on our allotments maybe 
Definitely. That's it. And mm. moving on to planting trees. Yes. Trees in, in all shapes and sizes. So there's, yeah. lo- there's lots of research. Trees are in the news this month, aren't they? <laughs> they are, yes. Um, and three quite interesting news stories, actually. Two related to, obviously, the, the ongoing saga of climate change. And yep. the fact that, obviously, not all trees are particularly good and suitable for our changing They're climate. They're not all planted equal, are they? No, that's, that's the term. <laughs> yes, that's a good, good term. Um, so, uh, Arit Anderson has said in her new book, she, and Arit is obviously a well-known presenter on Gardener's World, that, uh, yeah, we need to be start focusing on, on a, a wider ecosystem of trees uh, in our mm. garden. So, which is, I think, is sensible, as we've been saying all along, Peter, you know, forestries now are made up of more than one species. They have to yeah, be... Yeah, diverse, diverse species is mm. good for the bugs and the bees and yep. all the uh, things that live higher up on the food chain. That's it, it? yeah. That's yeah. it, no longer are we planting just Norway spruce forests. No. Indeed, and, and resilience and, uh, you know, in, in what you plant is, is going to be important in the future. So we will be planting more, shall we say, Mediterranean-style trees because yep. obviously... One day they will obviously do very, very well in a, in a very changing Potentially climate. if we keep on warming up. Yeah. Yes, yeah, indeed. So that's one report. And then, of course, um, the RHS uh, obviously been involved in, in some others as well, including with the University of Sheffield. And they're looking at the whole area that climate change needs somewhat ur- ur- urgent attention. This is in conjunction with the National Trust. Um, yep. And again, one particular plant they point out there, which is a beautiful plant, is the Cornus uh, Cusa, one of the, the obviously the wonderful flowering dogwood. And they're saying right. that that is not really sustainable now in in lots of parts of the, the southern parts of the UK. Really? Yeah, it's wow. a dogwood. It's a dogwood. So dogwoods generally like plenty of moisture, but of course it's the yeah. extremes of moisture where they get too much or too okay. little. Yeah, and um, yeah, so, so they're not going to do very well in the future. No, and, and this, yeah. well, I thought the last story oh. we got was quite funny. The idea that now instead of going to prison or um, paying big fines for your speeding or your what do we call them lower order crimes, are mm, they so drink driving, yeah. uh, shoplifting? Yes, the reprobates can now go and plant some trees. Well, that's so I pay th- back, pay back to the community. For the uh, for the error of their ways, I think it's good. I think it's a it, very it, positive way of, of using. Yeah, obviously, out of out of badness comes some good. And in yeah. this instance, over the last uh, the, the little news story actually says over the past three winters, seven uh, yeah seven thousand trees have been planted as part of the the scheme. So that's seven thousand trees more than perhaps would have been planted. Well, yeah, I suppose happen. that's a, and it gives them a diversification from pit, picking lip, litter up along mm. the highways. Yeah, indeed, and doing other other things like that, but menial uh, tasks like that. So yeah, I suppose yeah. It, it's not a bad idea, is it? No, not at all. And keeping on trees what about willomi pines yes so these wonderful pines i i, I remember uh, peter when the google map um satellite picked out these million pines going back i don't know 20 30 years ago uh, over australia and that's how they were identified as this group of greenery and they they thought wonder, wonder what the tree is that is quite significant so they obviously took a an expedition into that part of uh, australia and discovered the willowmi pine it's, it's quite a a new, even though it's been around since the dinosaurs, it's quite new. Um, really? To us. Okay. Um, it's, yeah, around yeah, tw- twenty million years ago. But uh, the thing is, it's obviously we need to preserve it everywhere on the globe now, not just in in Australia. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so they're being pl- planted. Uh, in, yeah, so Forestry England are getting involved in botanic uh, gardens in Sydney and the botanic gardens of conservation, as well. So they're all part of this uh, way of, of making sure it's. It's, a, it's around in, in our, our botanic gardens as well. And, uh, I mean, you can, you know, you can buy the, the tree as well if you, you fancy growing one in your own garden. They do get big. So. I was going to say, that yeah. I seem to remember they're quite enormous, aren't yes. they? They're, yeah. I can't remember why. They, I mean, they, they, they're, they're quite an iconic-looking mm, sort of pine tree with big furry branches. Yeah, and, big and big leaves and yeah, I suppose it's a little bit like the Erica, it's the monkey puzzle, it's got that that yeah, that uh, stance. Grand. Gr- grandeur, <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, and fantastic it is too. So uh, yeah, um, one to look out for and I'm sure, you know, when you, you're doing your, your garden centre shopping you'll probably may come across one on your, on your travels and if you've got the space, yeah, plant one please. Definitely. 
and uh, we've got um, quite a few things on on the, the way as far as it's this time of the year so the award season in gardening isn't it Peter we've got yeah. to yeah so the, the newt which um, we were talking about the newt last May because they were the, they are the sponsors of the the RHS well, Chelsea Flower Show yeah and they've just picked up a big award okay well they won so it's basically it's they, they, they claimed the top spot in the uh, top 50 UK boutique hotel list Okay. So it has a wonderful hotel. It has an amazing garden. And, mm. uh, yeah, and it's all been... Obviously, this, this garden is relatively new. Uh, 2019, it was effectively developed. Obviously, uh, a lot of work went into it before then. And uh, the, it's interesting, when you see pictures of the newt, it's this wonderful uh, uh, parabola, this amazing um, circular uh, structure which basically houses their amazing orchard Okay. Yeah, they're well known for their cider. They produce a lot of cider on, on the side. Haven't well. they got the biggest collection of apple trees mm. in the UK or something? That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it was a record breaker, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. we, we reported uh, back last last autumn. That's so uh, yeah, a bit a big uh, award for them. So it's the International Garden Tourism Award. So well done to to the newt. And now moving away from trees onto their bark. Okay. We're going to talk Good about... <laughs> now, is it lichen or lichen? Oh, I've heard it said both. I, I would call it lichen, yes. I think it's... Li- I've yeah. always called them lichen. Lichens, but yeah. yeah. It, 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 so that's a... Mm. Now, is it a plant or an algae or... I think it's somewhere in between, isn't it? It's, it's a... Yeah. It's sort a, of a weird little growth that you get on the barks of trees. That's now, it. But it's not an epiphyte, is it? It's just a... It just lives on the material... On the surfaces, the surface, because you yeah. get them on stones and you get them on mm. all sorts of things, don't you? But... but you, yeah, but you do notice at this time of the, the year, especially as the day lengths are increasing now, thank goodness, um, yep. they become more and more noticeable. And of course, they almost sort of, if I use the word bloom, they, they obviously metamorphosize or they change as they develop um, in the spring. Obviously, they're going through their, their, their life cycle as well. Mm. But uh, it's strange, uh, we often get people coming into the garden centre with, you know, holding big twigs of, of lichen-infested stems, wondering what's gone wrong with their plant. If they especially find it on an apple tree, it does, does right. panic them a little bit. And when you say it's actually very natural, um, you know, you know, people sometimes take them back. It's, it's, it's quite as natural. Do you know if I'm wrong in saying this? Isn't it reindeer food? Is that what reindeer Yes, eat? that's it. There's, there's the connotations to, to, yes, it is actually think, a part of a food chain, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. it's reindeer that eat it. And, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, but yeah, I mean, lovely colours. I like mm. the yellow ones that you yes. get. You, you can get some really, and the sort of ones that look a bit like moss, that mm. sort of grey, green colour. And yeah. load, I don't know how many different types of lichen or lichen there are mm. um, but I've certainly noticed quite a few in my yeah. lifetime they're, they're very atmospheric aren't they especially in, a, in a sort of the edges of the forest because they tend to obviously they need the light but this um, this campaign is spearheaded by plant life of course uh, well okay. known for their and they 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 realise that obviously the UK is is has got a, a, a lichen lichen global importance because obviously we've got a lot of different species there. But oh, so, yeah. but it's the the report saying that we're losing many of these lichens to obviously nitrogen air pollution. Which yeah, I mean I think they came back with a vengeance after the industrial revolution. But of course now that's probably changing because of uh, obviously CO two and and, and uh, global warming. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, Interesting fact, it's estimated that 7% of the Earth's surface is covered by them. That's interesting. Yeah. It's a huge area. Yes. Gosh. Enormous, so they are important and we yeah. need to preserve them. So uh, Definitely. Yeah, good luck that. And mm. sale of a common garden plant has been banned? Yes. So um, this was reported in the, the Guardian newspaper and... Uh, yeah, basically, it's, we're all familiar with the, the gunnera. I'm sure the... Uh, the massive rhubarb. Oh, the big rhubarb. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not a rhubarb, though, is it's it? Not, it's not. No, you uh, wouldn't it want to eat it. It just very similar. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I've, I've been in gardens. In fact, I was at Capel Manor many years ago, and I, I actually was standing under the leaves and sheltering from the rain because they, they produce such large yeah. leaves. And, and they're amazing plants. And of course, they die down to absolutely nothing during the winter, and then they put all that growth on in the spring, don't they? Um, Mm. But it's a form, which is a hybrid form, which is basically being banned. uh, Right. And this is new research conducted by the RHS, and they've revealed that the sales won't be of the varieties we're familiar with at the moment in garden centres, but this particular form of hybrid form has been earmarked to to make sure that we, we don't get that 
the opportunity to buy it. So hopefully it'll disappear from the, the growers so it shouldn't come through the, uh, the, you know, the supply chain. Because mm. um, is it the Gunner Man, Ma, Manicata, is it? That's the massive one. That's the big one, yeah. And that's, yeah. that's fine, that's fine, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's amazing plants. If, if you've got a big enough garden mm. for it, or you want some shade in a small garden. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got a good water supply. Yeah, like yeah. a, next to a lake or a yeah. running stream. They do really well, don't yeah. they? Yeah, good in clay soils. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> okay. And, um, oh, yeah, I was going to say, the, the, the other sort of story related to leaves, which was uh, quite interesting, this was, a well, leaves and plant fossils, was a, a story taken up uh, by one of the newspapers. And it's related to these... Which, when you look at them, they do look like almost, um, well, sort of leaf structures which have been mm. preserved as fossils. But actually, um, they've actually turned out to be baby marine turtles mm. uh, with a bit of... And I, th- I think it's just a, a fascinating thing how, you know, we can be cajoled into thinking things are not quite what they seem. Um, well, I suppose fossils that have been around for so long and yes, scientists back in, I would say, 1800s, 1900s, mm. maybe when they were discovered possibly didn't have the yeah. ability to yeah, do the, the research that we can on yeah, these things indeed. now. But, uh, yeah. but if you get a chance to see that online, the, the pictures of it actually in colour are, are quite spectacular. They're, they're really good. But it uh, just shows you, doesn't it? We, we can't be fooled uh, at that stage. But, uh, yeah, good on that side. And the YPHA has hit a membership milestone. So this is the Young People in Horticultural Association. Mm-hmm. Now, it's been going... Not that long, I'm going to say. So 2020 or... Yeah, yeah so like, three or four think, years, maybe. Yeah, yeah and uh, one of our... And Liam from Old Railway Line, friend of ours, he's been spearheading it. I, 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 the meetings I go to with him, mm. he's often chatting to me mm. about it. And it's a really good idea. I think it's a great way for young people who are in horticulture who want to communicate about... Mm sort of what they're up to and share think ideas and plans, they can do that through sort of Facebook and these modern platforms that you and I possibly aren't quite <laughs> so au fait yeah. with. It's, I suppose it's a little bit way how the, the young farmers uh, sort of started their, the, how their, their journey of, of getting people involved and getting a, a sense of community, I suppose, isn't it, in, mm. in there as well. But uh, certainly a, a couple of shows I've, I've visited, Peter, there's always a, a, a stand and they're all obviously actually looking for new members, so younger yeah. people to get involved there. Yeah, and um, I think they do quite a lot of meetups and go mm. for sort of... Uh, Tours around yeah. suppliers, so they get to learn an awful lot about Which our is great. industry as well. Yeah, and and, and seven hundred is, is quite a milestone for for the membership, isn't it? In, Definitely, in, in literally, you know, nearly well, obviously, just over three years. Yeah, well done to them. So uh, we'll put a link to how to find out more about the uh, uh, YPHA on on the show notes. And this one always interests me. Sort of the Pantone of the year. Okay, it's yes. a lovely sort of name for a colour of the year. Yeah, indeed, yes. So what what's 2024. So, so 2023, if you remember, was vivid magenta. Yeah. Um, instantly forgettable. Although I think we had a few, we had a few plants with that sort of colour. I think some petunias came in, which I thought, oh, that that. Really. So this year, peach fuzz is going to be the Pantone okay. colour of the year. Uh, described, and I love the you know descriptions. Here. It's almost like describing a wine, isn't it? A velvety, gentle peach, who whose all-embracing spirit enriches the mind, body, and heart. Mm. Yes, so it's all about selling the colour. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm sure that colour, I mean, peach in a way is, is, is sort of off yellow, off orange. I mean, it's, it sort of sits quite nicely in the colour palette, doesn't it? Mm, for, it's a nice for, soft colour, I is, always yeah, think. Yeah. And, yeah, can... Unlike uh, Vivid Magenta last year, which was a bit. <laughs> well, last year, if I can describe it, it was all sort of blacks and greens yeah. and magentas mm. and yes. sort of really yeah. strong colours, whereas yeah. this is. Dulling down a bit. More. It's more romantic, isn't it? You know, yeah. your traditional gardening, and maybe if we have a better summer like like last year, where we, we can actually enjoy that that sort of colour and that that sort of uh, warm tones to the. Well, pansies the will do well, I should imagine. Oh yeah, I, I can be. always picture sort of pansies as yellows and peaches and oranges. Indeed, so. and yeah, and of course things like the, the summer bedding marigolds and things—they're going to be nicely sitting in there as well, aren't they? Mm. Those, uh, so yeah, I'm sure you're going to see that, and of course this. Uh, Pantone colour of the air filters through through home as well, so I'm sure you'll start to see that in your your local uh, homeware stores too. 
Brilliant. Good stuff. Okay. Um, there's more trends as well. This is the, obviously the, January is all about um, yeah forecasting <laughs> everything and everything. Um, some of these are, are, are quite good. One one suggested is we're going to be prioritising pollinators and we're going to be attracting more uh, butterflies, bees, beetles, and such like, which you know is is good. And I think we've been doing that anyway, so it's probably yep. not really you know new news. But uh, it's one of the many different things which you you can look out for. Well, one of the, the things this American study was suggesting that one of the colour ranges which might come in is the goth look. So like we were saying about the uh, last year's colour, yeah. that might start coming into into the own, which actually, thinking about the purples, they might work well with this year's colour of the year, maybe. I don't, mm. don't know. But um, watch this space. Interesting. And edimentals. It's a lovely title, isn't yes, it? Yes, it's a great word, isn't it? And uh, 2024, the year of the edimentals. edimentals. So <laughs> as we get from the name, it's a hybridised word of... Uh, Edible plants and ornamentals. So, yeah. yeah, so yeah, it goes without saying. So, plants which look good, which you can eat in your border, which I'm sure suits a lot of people. Well, especially if you've got a slightly smaller garden and you yeah. want to get a multi use sort of flower stroke mm. vegetable garden Indeed. going. And um, yeah, I, I always think when I go down the allotments, chards are the beautiful red mm, stems and I, I think a few people grow the sort of multicoloured ones as well and they've got the yellows and the reds and they're, they're, they're amazing and also those lovely I think Chinese lanterns yeah, Chris, uh, yeah. Fasalis franchetii they, it's a herbaceous plant it comes up and does its thing spectacularly in the summer and then uh, produces those lovely orange uh, well basically they're, they're they're basically like husks if you like of the, the, the seed head aren't they yes Okay, because when you eat them, they're sort of quite juicy. I, I, yeah. I seem to remember my grandmother grew them, and mm. yeah, I always remember eating them, and she, yeah. she used to shout at me. <laughs> I don't think I was meant to be eating <laughs> And then you've got things like, yeah, globe artichokes, which I grow in my own garden, but they get huge. I mean, they, get, they tower over about seven, eight foot. I mean, they are the... Yep. You know, the, the they're but, impressive, put it well, that way. <laughs> and the bees love them. I mean, the bees are really attracted to them when they're doing their thing, and those wonderful blue flowers. I mean, you're supposed to cut them before the, the flowers open, and obviously steam the uh, the flower heads i've never got them to that stage to be honest with you. i've let them let them flower because i i do love the the, the, the wonderful blue color they produce Excellent. and uh, i think the whole idea of this is, is as you say making your 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 plot work for you in a, a very positive way one thing i saw many years ago peter i saw um lilo rosso that you know the wonderful lilo lettuce, rosso the lettuce, lettuce. Yeah, yeah yeah used as an edging plant around a flower bed Wow, yeah. I guess that's fine until you want to have a salad for lunch. Yes, and then you <laughs> so you'd have to go along it because you could castellate it, I suppose. You, you could, yeah. <laughs> but the idea with that one is, is you can pick it's cut a cub again, so you could snip it and you didn't really spoil the effect. Okay, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I think you'd have a limited run, but it did look good and it was quite cheap to produce. If you think about a pack of your seed, you'll get literally hundreds of, of lettuce mm. plants. So it's a really good idea to do that as well. But uh, yeah, and of course, all the usual uh, herbs as well would come into that. Uh, uh, so maybe in the garden centre, we'll have to have a, an edimental section, mm. maybe, uh, to try and uh, boost the idea of, of, of mixing and have no sort of barriers when it comes to growing uh, vegetables and, and, and flowers and fruit t- together. Yeah, why not? It's a good idea. And I suppose another way of doing borders is rather than actually creating a border, you can do more natural (laughs) plantings that create sort of areas, I suppose you could call them. Is that... Yeah, thoughts behind this. Yeah, I think I think they're trying to put, and I think it's all part of, of again. I think climate change, isn't it? A lot of these plants are more resilient to to drought and to, to more difficult growing conditions. So why not grow your your more, shall we say, wilder looking plants? Uh, in cahoots with your, with your grasses and do a mixture a little bit like uh, good old uh, Adrian Bloom was talking about in uh, in developing his foggy bottom he was trying to in a way move the uh, the borders across wasn't it to try and integrate different plants so this mm. sort of moves on to that as well and of course it means you can grow a wide range of plants it might appear to some people as a bit of a hodgepodge but done nicely and used you know ornamental grasses as we know at the garden centre here sell very well and if they give you the structure and the interest, and then if you just inject some bits of colour into there, then you've got a really easy 
an attractive um, palette of plants to, to, to grow. Mm, definitely, it's a good idea. And our stone supplier Kelke have been in the news, haven't mm. they? They're, they're doing Mediterranean landscapes for 2024. They, they think that's yeah. the way forward. They do, which obviously suggests that, you know, the changing climates as well. So, um, I mean, obviously... 2023 was a, a little bit on the damp side through the summer, but generally, as we know, it's it's warmed up an awful lot. So why not try and create those wonderful effects by using, uh, obviously, aggregates, gravels to you know, mm. show off the rest of your plants? Well, yeah. I can remember, I say back in the 80s, when mm. purple slate became oh, yeah. Yeah. the new thing. Mm. And to this day, I mean, I've still got a border around uh, the garden and... Mm-hmm. Uh, and in purple slate and it yeah. works and it yeah. keeps the weeds down it's really good but obviously Beth Chateau does a whole garden she based. does her gravel garden is, is legendary with different types of gravels and, and obviously those wonderful plants which enjoy though those sort of conditions so yeah um, well, it, from a water point of view mm-hmm. gravel gardens are great because they get the drainage they straight yeah. the, the rain goes straight into the ground yeah. rather than down, on uh, down the drains, block yeah. paving uh, or mm. what have you uh, mm. so that that's good so mediterranean colors i guess yeah what's that sort of whites and yeah golds the, the, and yeah oh, yeah the autumn yeah i mean the autumn gold chippings which is part of the calcate is always a popular one isn't it as a as a, as a choice but yeah classic whites if you want to create some really and again that again some of your plants would look really nice wouldn't it uh, some of mm. your things your formiums and your your hookahs and such like which would look really really good uh, and obviously using some boulders and, you know, sort of pebbles, large pebbles can nicely create a, a nice uh, and backdrop. And a few terracotta pots as well. They are, I oh, always yeah. think of the Mediterranean when you see a lovely sort of white gravel with a terracotta pot on or something. Yeah. That sort of colour And of course, that's my, if we are getting hotter summers, you know, terracotta is obviously a lot easier to manage as far as watering as well, isn't it? Uh, mm. which, which, which we know and it keeps the roots cooler, unlike plastic pots. And... Uh, Good yeah, stuff. but okay. uh, no. so yeah, if you're looking at okay, they they um they have a really good website and there's lots of calculators in there. So if you want to work out how much gravel you need to use to to fill an area, that's yes. quite a useful tool because it's the question we tend to get asked most, isn't it? Wow. How many bags do I need to to for this little project? So, I know uh, I was doing my front garden, and it's only a small uh, small sort of patch. It must be I don't know ten foot by ten foot, um, and it already had some gravel down mm-hmm. that the previous owners had sort of put down and it needed topping up and it's only i say half a square meter or something like that and and a couple of other bits that were a bit sort of thin shall we say mm-hmm. um and i thought half a dozen bags mm-hmm. and soon disappears it does it really doesn't it? does yeah, it's, it's like it's, yeah it's like mulch isn't it you never you, you put down a few bags of mulch and it, where is it gone yes yeah. yeah it's the same with gravel so uh, definitely yeah, and those yeah. calculators are a good indication yeah. as to what you might need that's right and especially if you're having the, you know the product delivered it's it's uh, you, mm. you need to yeah do, do your homework get it right get it right <laughs> definitely that's it. so yeah. that's kelk.com yeah you can go to for that yeah. indeed yeah we'll put yes. the link there and um, yeah, a, a rather explosive story to end yeah, up. The, the, the final news story to take us out with a bang. bang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I saw this on, on. I was on both the BBC and ITV News. I mean, it was uh, you know, it's, it was the end finally, you know, section of the news right. story. And basically, uh, this bomb, uh, and it was a bomb, <laughs> served as a garden ornament for over seventy years in this this couple's garden. Yeah, um, down over in uh, Milford Haven in Pembrokeshire, down in Wales. There, right. And uh, basically, it had been used there. It was it had been there since uh, after the war. I was found on a local beach. Right. And of course, they didn't obviously realise it was a bomb. Obviously, it wouldn't have moved. And it's been there as, as a fixture. And the, the photograph- it's a garden ornament as a garden for ornament. seventy odd years. <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah, the, the the lady of the house used it as a sort of banging and cleaning post yeah. for her trowel. And- <laughs> <laughs> quite a useful Most bit of kit to have but yes thank goodness it yeah. never went off so uh yeah the, the yeah the conclusion was that on the thursday the bomb squad found that there was a bit of life in the old girl i just love <laughs> the term there well they took it to a quarry and explained yeah, they did they decimated it. it and it went pop, pop yeah <laughs> um and it's and they just said it's likely to go to a museum now so it's got a lot of lot of story to it hasn't it yeah Brilliant. but i'm sure on, on youtube you'll probably find the video of the, the story because it is really it make you smile mm. <laughs> 
and maybe just have a look in your garden and just have a look at your ornaments, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, good stuff. Right, so mm. I guess it's that time of the uh, time of the show where you give me some jobs to do, Chris. Yes, and of course, there's um, there's, there's quite a bit to do, isn't there? Um, mm. January, start of a new year, start of a new job list, uh, and lots and lots of things to be planting. And uh, it's interesting, you know, on the hedging front, we're we're well into the the bare root season now. And one thing which popped up on my uh, my Facebook page uh, literally today, Peter, is Claydon Estates, which is obviously yeah. National Trust. They put a little did you know in that um, back in 1950 there was an estimated one million kilometres of hedgerows in the UK. Right. And of course that basically reduced by half back in, back in 2017. So hedgerows are, you know, um, they are a missing part of the jigsaw now. We, obviously we encourage people to, to plant, you know, native hedges. Even yep. in the smallest of gardens, they are very adaptable. So, uh, yeah, maybe have a think about uh, if you, you're taking out, you know, your old landai or your laurel hedge, looking for a replacement, then get some natives in there and, and try and help the wildlife, mm-hmm. help the bees and the butterflies. And uh, it's the time to be doing it, really. Well, yeah, this time of year is mm. really good. And I know a friend of mine sort of wanted, he'd bought a moved house and mm-hmm had quite an open front garden and wanted a nice low hedge so i suggested a honeysuckle hedge or a lanicera can't think of the full uh, name well lanicera nitida that that's the one and uh, i think he was expecting a instant sort of hedge and i turned up with these plants that were i would say eight twelve inches tall and not really that much and i think he was a bit disappointed to be honest with you mm-hmm. when he first saw them oh dear. and <laughs> They've been in there now, I want to say six, seven years, mm. and I spoke to him last month, uh, and he was like, "Wish I'd never asked for that hedging." It's like every year now I have to cut it back, and <laughs> he, he's got a lovely hedge. It yeah. must be two foot tall, and mm. so he's done a nice little sort of box style. section, mm-hmm. uh, sort of a box style, and yeah, it, yeah, it's a really neat little hedge, but. He has found that it does t- require a little bit of maintenance, but... All good things do, yeah. Don't they? Yeah, and, but it looks really smart, yeah, and I, yeah. I think it surprised him how quickly it's turned into a decent little hedge from such tiny little yeah. plants. Yeah, no, it's, 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 you know, Lanister is obviously one we, we tend to recommend, especially if you want uh, something tough and robust, especially. Mm. Yeah, and, well, mm. relatively good in all situ- yeah. uh, situations, and also not that expensive. I mean... No, I think they're what two, two three pounds a plant. I'm yeah. going to say, indeed, yeah. and yeah, a couple of years you get yourself a nice little edge. That's it, yeah. So, so something to replace your box with because that's yeah, something I've noticed. Mm, yeah, yes. walking around Northampton recently, there's just hedges that are just totally dead, and mm. one of the box trees, or well, it's a specimen tree, I suppose mm. you call it. it. Must be ten foot tall, yes, four or five foot wide. Totally. Utterly yeah. leafless. Yeah, that's the and caterpillar, I suspect, or the blight, or, mm. or both. I mean, unfortunately. So. Yeah, I mean, last year, the, the wet weather of uh, 2023, you know, the damp summer, which obviously affected all our gardens, you know, was perfect storm for our for our box blight. It just loved those conditions, um, mm. which is not good as well. Um, so plenty of other things to be getting on with, uh, Peter. Yeah, maybe if you've got a bit of warmth, you've got a heated greenhouse or a, a porch, war, you know, warm porch or a, a conservatory, you might want to start starting some of your half-hardy bedding plants off. I know it yeah. sounds like, I'm thinking of pelagoniums, geraniums, because they take a, a while to get going. Always, a, I love growing geraniums, pelagoniums from seed there, because you know that you're going to get a really nice plant, you know, after two or three months uh, from from that. Yeah. Um, the other thing, of course, yeah, continue tidying, not tidying by cutting back, because of course we're now told to keep our gardens a little bit, a little bit awry to to help nature. But uh, obviously, some things will not to be trimmed back as we as we see plants starting to put some new growth on, perhaps from the end of end of January. Yep. Um, we'll start seeing obviously uh, bulbs appearing in the shop um, probably towards the end of January with the, the summer flowering bulbs so yeah. scarily um, so it hardly seems like yesterday and we're getting rid of all the autumn bulbs <laughs> I know yeah so yeah I mean uh, good old lily bulbs if you get those in especially if you want to stagger your displays of lilies try and get those in over the next uh, next few weeks as well right and um yeah, I mean, the usual things, yeah, try and avoid walking off your, your lawns, especially in frosty weather, otherwise you'll leave some nasty um, marks through the course of the spring. And um, 
I suppose if you if we've the problems we've had over the last two or three months with the amount of rainfall we've had, maybe when we do get some dry spells, maybe do a little bit of aeration of your lawn, uh, if that's a thing. I might be tempted to wait until February for that, but again, you've got to work where you're living, haven't you? Really, and yeah. if, the, if the if it is dry, maybe capitalise on that as well. And okay. if you've got and if you've got a lawnmower, then obviously and it needs a service, make sure you get it in nice and early. So yeah. it, it can become ready better. for the spring and when Indeed. you're yeah. back on full time cutting. That's, but yeah. as you may remember, when we had our lawn mm. care in a podcast, um, Mr. Hedges Gow was suggesting mm. you can mow your lawn all year round. Indeed. But yes. not as often, not as frequently, yeah. should we say, and, and in the winter. At, so. And a higher setting as well to make yeah. sure you don't take it up. But yeah, indeed, as, as we've had you know, in mild weather, you've got to work with, with the weather conditions, haven't you, as well? And, uh, yeah, and, and the usual things. I mean, we've yeah through through December we've been yeah we've had a few some really cold nights, but yeah, keep an eye on those uh, half hardy plants and maybe give them a little bit of protection, a fleece jacket or a bit of um, horticultural fleece just in those really cold nights as as we go in there. And on the vegetable patch for our allotment growers, then yeah, it's time to think sea potatoes. Mm. And um, yeah, it's chitting and yes. Yeah, get, 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 keep them out of the frost, but somewhere cool. Indeed, and yeah. uh, plenty of light. Leave them to chit, and that's yeah. it. Yeah, um, complete your finish. You know, finish your, your winter digging. If the if, again, if the weather conditions have allow, if it's been too wet, then no, stay off your soil. Wait until next month, maybe. Check over your store of vegetables. Keep an eye on those. Just make sure that uh, everything's going to plan, and they're um, and obviously you're using them. And also, you know. January, it's a good time to actually sort of plan, you know, your seed purchases and uh, get, get a list of things you want to grow. Remember, grow things you, you're going to eat. <laughs> mm, definitely. I'm going to try broccoli this year, Chris. Broccoli. Yeah. Is that but, an easy one to grow? Purple sprouting broccoli, yeah, I would say. Yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be probably, uh, I think it's going to be easier than cabbages. Okay. Yeah, and certainly easier than cauliflower. Well, I grew some white sprouting, okay, and that seemed to do okay. And Good. it was just sort of picking it frequently enough was mm-hmm. um, my problem. <laughs> but, um, so you, you think do sproutings rather than actual broccoli? I maybe try both. Try, try and go go for a mixture of colours of the of the sprouting. Certainly, um, it's one of my favourite vegetables. That's probably, yeah, rather yeah, yeah. Broccoli, no, yeah, I mean yeah. purple sprouting is a yeah. delicious vegetable. It is, and yeah, it's not one that you see so often in the supermarket. No, so. um, and then when you do, it, it, it needs to be well, it needs to be in season, doesn't it? Otherwise, it, yep. it looks a bit. Uh, it never looks particularly appetising when you I see them. Yeah, and uh, yeah, with some seed sowing you might want to do again. Weather-wise, you might want to get some uh, first early peas in there, felt them first, and some of your broad beans. That would be a good time to do. And again, if you've got a little bit of space in a, a cold frame, you might want to start some uh, early sowings as well in uh, under a bit of protection. Okay, cool. So, that's good there as well. Fruit garden-wise, yeah, complete your, um, your, your pruning of your apples and pears. Certainly by the end of this month, you need to get those done. Right. Prune your autumn fruiting raspberries so that means cutting all the the canes down to literally an inch or so of, of soil level but make sure it is the autumn cropping ones not your summer ones otherwise you're you're going to be uh, short of raspberries this summer yeah because um, it's second year mm, sort of wood as they call it that it. they grow on isn't it yeah so. and uh, yeah a good generous mulch as well so once you've cut them back get some nice comp- some compost from your compost heap or a bit of uh, planting compost or something just to improve the soil where you've you've cut back to yep. uh, too early to start feeding but a, a mulch will be good and then uh, obviously check your tree stakes if you put some new trees in um, maybe if you do like to keep your your fruit trees clean of uh, overwintering pests you can use organic winter washes but you do that every other year so if you, if okay. you yeah try and do those as well and of course, yeah, get your fruit trees in, you know, planted wise, bare root. I notice we've got some really nice strawberry runners in now um, in the garden centre. So look out for those when, on your travels. It's a good way of, a much cheaper way of, of re- replanting your strawberry beds. Strawberry yep. beds last about five or six years and then they run out of steam. So yep. maybe got those as well. So cool. plenty to be doing. Definitely. Yeah. And if that doesn't get rid of a few of the calories after the, the Christmas excesses, <laughs> I don't know what will. Mm. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay, Chris, well, what else do we need to cover off now? Thanks, I suppose. Oh, yeah, some thank yous, yes. Because as you guys probably have worked out by now, we, Chris and I aren't the most technically savvy people in the world. Indeed. However, we did come across some comments that some of mm. you have left. And 
we're touched. It's yeah. really lovely. So thank you yes. to all of the ones that we haven't yet read and seen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because we don't know where they are. Indeed, but we came across one. Yeah, oh, indeed. Uh, from 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 uh, Andrew Terry. Thank you, Andrew. Um, and it is going back a, a little while, but uh, a, lov- a lovely, you know, some lovely words. I'll, I'll, if I may, I'll, I'll read them out because I think it's quite nice. For yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Uh, and the the title of your your review was easy listening, great learning, and. Uh, Andrew wrote, uh, I'm pretty new convert to gardening and growing flowers, so this podcast has become my, a, ready, a really helpful resource for me. I've learned something new in every episode, and the two presenters, I think that's me and you, Peter, are very easy to listen to. Uh, definitely one of my favourite podcasts. Brilliant. So that's was really nice, and you know, feedback is is good. And likewise, uh, if you want to know, you know, if you want looking for particular guests, you want to learn a different area of horticulture. Yep. Let, let us know. Um, mm, definitely, yeah. always give us some mm. feedback. We love hearing from you. Yeah. And as always, please tell your friends about us and um, share. Mm-hmm. I would say on your social media, maybe or Indeed. something like that, if you're into that sort of stuff. But yeah, I mean, ultimately for us, the more people who listen to us the happier we feel and hopefully the more people we can educate it may inspire and just have a and we've got a if you're listening to the podcast you've got a common interest you you love you love plants you love gardens and you love gardening and that's uh, that's what it's all about definitely brilliant okay well thanks again chris pleasure peter we'll see you see you next month speak soon cheers bye 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 today's show was brought to you by buckingham garden center and nurseries the show was hosted by Chris Day and Peter Brown. The show was produced by Peter Brown. And our thanks to Chilton Music Therapy for providing the music. Thanks for listening. At Chilton Music Therapy, we want everyone to know the difference that music can make in their lives. From parents and their premature babies in hospital to grandparents with dementia. We provide music therapy and community music services to people of all ages and needs across England. We work both digitally and in person in people's homes, care homes, schools, hospitals and hospices. Find out more at chilternmusictherapy.co.uk.